Suicide is unbiased, nonpartisan. It transcends gender, perhaps even species. In a biological sense, it's pure. At no other time in recent memory was suicide so prominent in the zeitgeist of Americana than in the early 1990s. The perceptive pop listener might argue that the 80s foreshadowed such a day of reckoning. In Billy Joel's song, We Didn't Start the Fire, history ended when the 80s did, as if each day that passed after his song debuted was one match strike closer to oblivion. Listeners were left longing for his song to stretch into the 90s, if for no other reason than to reference Crystal Pepsi in his Cola Wars. In a way, history did come to an end. There was an overwhelming stench of death in the air, emanating from the rotten music that decadent decade dished out. What was considered music in the 80s was reduced to ashes in the wake of the conflagration of three unknown musicians from Seattle, Washington. Actually, two were from a shithole lager town named Aberdeen, and their drummer Dave was from Olympia. They declared war against the music industry, whether intentionally or not, and their declaration was a singular record album. Never mind. An album on which there's not a single fade-out. Every song simply crashes to an abrupt and decisive end. As the band's frontman appropriately said in his suicide letter, it's better to burn out than to fade away. That line was taken from Neil Young, but what 15-year-old nose-picker plugging his ears with punk knew that at the time? What Billy Joel couldn't take anymore in his Billboard Top 100 tune was different from what teenagers at the time couldn't take anymore. To be quite frank, we couldn't take any more of his fucking song, or of Guns N' Roses and their sweet children, or of Warrant and their baked goods, or of Death Leopard Sugar, some of which Warrant must have borrowed to make their cherry pie. The 90s ushered in an independent do-it-yourself ethic, a way to proactively and publicly flush the 80s down the toilet. Some music critics have argued that this was simply a resurgence of the punk ideology that thrived in the late 70s, and there's some truth to that. History is cyclical, and not only was punk rock reinvented in the early 90s, so, apparently, was the suicide cult. What Jim Jones did for the People's Temple, in which he and 914 of his followers died in a mass murder-suicide at Jonestown in 1978, the charismatic David Koresh did for the Branch Davidians and their 55 dead adults and 21 dead children in Waco, Texas in 1993. From Sid Vicious to Kurt Cobain, Jim Jones to David Koresh, artists and psychopaths alike were immersed in the cumulative whirlpools of thought, aggression, freshly clipped nerve endings, disaffection, and the do-it-yourself zeitgeist of the moment. Absolutely nothing is more do-it-yourself than suicide. Suicide is the thing, the goal, the beginning and the end, the next big thing, the be-all, end-all, the eye in the sky. It's the Tylenol bottle with the 20 bonus pills because swallowing an entire bottle of Tylenol can kill you. Suicide is an option, it's an alternative, it's aqua sea foam shame, it's dead of a shotgun blast in the head. Suicide is the lyric of a song packaged inside a gold record, spinning, 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 spin the black circle. If the lyric is death, then the song is life itself, trapping its lyrics within a recurring embrace of murder and conception, all controlled by your Iowa Mini Systems three-disc CD player, its repeat button the key to everlasting life. 
Some traditionalists will prefer the analogy of a vinyl record, the black circle, a turntable needle skipping along its groove. However, to recent generations, the black circle is a relic, just another obstacle to sidestep in the attic when it comes time to store your sweaters. If you can't see your image reflected in it, it won't play your music. There's something appropriate about that. There were still tape cassettes around in the 90s, stacked up on shelves somewhere, neatly organized in shoeboxes, an arm's length away for the convenient use of breaking up weed. By this time, though, they were mostly used to record rock bands in garages on four-track machines, or used to record mixtapes to win the affections of girls. Magnetic pleas for admittance into their unsullied genes in the back of your mom's Ford Taurus. If you were a teenager in the early 90s, music as you knew it died on April 8, 1994, the day that music died and grunge was born. But only grunge is a catchphrase, an advertising motif. It was the beginning of a movement, back when MTV actually aired music videos, rather than the onslaught of reality television programming they broadcast now, and viewers made a point to sit at home in their beanbags and watch those videos. On this day, they stopped airing their music videos, however briefly, and their perpetually quaffed and stoic news anchor, Kurt Loder, commandeered the airwaves to impart a special report to a legion of slacker viewers. The body of Nirvana leader Kurt Cobain was found in a house in Seattle Friday morning, dead of an apparently self-inflicted shotgun blast to the head. Cobain's body was discovered by an electrician carrying out repairs at the musician's house. Sources claim he had been missing for several days. The singer, whose band achieved global fame with the release of its album Nevermind in 1991, recently survived a drug and alcohol-induced coma in Rome last month. Police found what is said to be a suicide note at the scene, but have not yet divulged its contents. Spinning. 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 Spin the black circle.